evening. Thank you. <laughs> it's good to um, be back home. And uh, I was on holiday with my husband and um, um, the parents for a week in Chiang Mai. Anybody has been to Chiang Mai before? And you know it's a beautiful place. And um, I actually grew up in Chiang Mai, so um, I had a lot of fond memories there, like um, being bitten by a monkey on my feet in the zoo. <laughs> that was about um, when I was about five, so very fond memory, memory of that. I actually tried to hunt for that monkey, but I couldn't remember because there are so many of them this time. So we had a great time, and uh, we did a lot of sightseeing, um, doing some shopping, and um, um, had a great time. So I just want to say thank you to my pastor who allowed me to go and enjoy myself and um, you as well to allow me to have a break and it's great you know to have a break and just um, stay out of everything for a while and just get your focus right again and ready to preach so hopefully tonight I'll be full of beans to um, bring the word of God to you so um, let's just pray shall we and ask God to um, be with us Heavenly Father we thank you for this opportunity that we can come to you to hear your word, Lord God. I thank you for the word of God that you have um, given to me, Lord God, and what you have inspired me, Lord. And I believe that um, you are going to speak to these people, Lord God, tonight. So I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit will be so, so apparent here among us. And your conviction will be so, so, um, um, you know, so clear, Lord God, that we will... Um, receive this revelation that you will give to us, Lord, that we will um, um, be different, Lord God, from the way we come in tonight, Lord God. Lord, so I just pray that you will really just, just help us to be attentive to you right now, God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. While I was away, I um, heard uh, many good news, actually, from, from Pastor Brian, he, keep, he, he keeps me informed, you know, when I'm away. And when he's away, I also keep him informed. So this is how we work, you know. So we know things are, um, the things that are happening in the church. And um, um, a few um, great news, actually. Um, like, um, if you know uh, Kunwalapa, anybody knows Kunwalapa? Yes, she's a great lady in the church. And she's a great house parent as well. Uh, as you know, uh, last Tuesday... It's National Mother's Day for Thailand, and usually what they do is they, they um, um, present awards to, um, to a few mothers, um, great mothers of different provinces. And guess what? Wallapa has been awarded as one of them, so it's fantastic, you know. It's uh, telling us that, um, you know, we've got great house parents for Sussex House. One of them has been awarded as, you know, to be... Uh, a, an example mother so this is fantastic to know that we are actually making impact upon our community she has been given award um, by the mayor of um, Phuket so um, she was so excited when I was talking to her on the phone and she was like I couldn't believe this is happening to me you know so it's great you know and another thing was one of the Sussex House children, Nong Nat, also has won an award as well for public speaking. So he's been doing so well, you know. Um, he, um, he went for the competition in, in Bangkok um, in the last couple, couple of weeks. And um, to see all this thing happening to, to Sussex House kids, um, you know, is telling us that we are making difference. We are doing something, and God is doing something among us for us to be recognized, you know, um, in Phuket itself, and hopefully in the future, national as well. Amen? Praise the Lord. I really miss the church, you know, when I was away. I had opportunity to um, go and visit friends um, who used to come to this church, but moved away to, um, to Chiang Mai. So I spent a um, couple of evenings with uh, with them and uh, also to visit the church that they attend as well and boy you know to be away from PCC is like killing me you know I just want to be up there and just ah, minister to the hearts of the people and when I was there I didn't do anything I mean okay God 
I'm sitting here enjoying myself, and but I miss my church so much. I want to be back in PCC. You know, it all—it's always the case. I don't know if you like me or not, but this is what happened to me. I went to Hillsong. That was three years ago. Big, huge, massive church, and I was sitting there and thought, "What am I doing here? I want to go to to PCC. I want to go to my church." You know, and it's just like because I love my church so much. It's our church. I I, I miss my family. You are my family. Okay, you are my family, and I hope you miss me too when I was away. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. So um, yeah, I had fantastic time. So just want to say thank you again for giving me this opportunity. And uh, while I was away, also I knew that I'm, I was supposed to be preaching um, in the this week and next week. So God has really been using different scenarios to speak to me and to challenge me, and I'll bring, bring some of you. Some of, some of that to you tonight as well. So let's begin. That would work. Okay. We'll continue, continue to um, look at the five paradigms for nation transformation. And um, tonight will be on paradigm four. And that is, we are called to take the kingdom of God to where the gates of hell are for Jesus to build his church. Praise the Lord. Let's look at paradigm one, two, three. If you are here for the first time, is anybody here for the first time? No. Oh yes, some. Um, well, we give you very, very warm welcome, and um, just telling you that this is what we've been doing. This is what God has been challenging us um, as a church. You know about these five paradigms. So number one, we are called to disciple nations, not just individuals okay number two the marketplace which is the heart of the nation has already been redeemed by Jesus and now needs to be reclaimed and that is such an exciting thing number three every Christian is a minister and labor is worship and now we are gonna look hopefully I spend this week and next week looking at this paradigm for we are called to take the kingdom of God to where the gates of hell are for Jesus to build his church. Anybody can say amen to that? Amen. amen. I mean, this sounds like a very bold statement to make. And it is. It is. It's actually what Jesus has intended for us to do for him. See, to believe, to be confident that we can do this together, that we can take the kingdom of God to where the gates of hell are, is another paradigm shift. What do I mean by this? For a long time, we have been taught to stay away from whatever that characterizes evil, you know, and there's some truth in that. But what did Jesus do when we read the Bible? What did he do? Jesus hates sin, but he loves sinners. He loves sinners. You know, it's important for us to maintain our holiness in God, of course. Very important as Christian. But that can be taken too far too. You know, too far that a lot of Christians can become so inward focused. They know how to survive, but never know how to live. They know how to survive, but they never know how to live. On Mother's Day, I did something very exciting. I went to the cinema because um, I didn't have my mother there. So all I could do was sending SMS to my spiritual mother here and my natural mother saying Happy Mother's Day. But other than that, I just went and enjoyed myself, <laughs> you know, go to the cinema. So what did, have, what, what did we watch? Um, we watched something that we have been kind of waiting for so long. Some of you may have seen it, um, the animation cartoon, Wally. Anybody seen it? Oh, a lot of... People in the church have seen it, and did you like it? Isn't it fun? I think it's great. And uh, Pixar, they really do have a lot of, um, you know, theme that has so many messages that we can learn from. And from Wally, -E, I can really learn a lot of things from it. And um, there are many uh, messages that you can pick out of this movie. But one angle that um, I want to bring to you tonight is this for you who haven't seen it the movie is all about a robot called Wally -E, who was programmed to clean up the earth after all the humans had taken off for a long stay long holiday years and years and years on the spaceship 
And for so long, humans were kept away from living real life on Earth. And because Earth was taken over by the great amount of rubbish, garbage, so they decided to flee from it. They didn't know what to do to it. So they just, well, the best way out is run away. You know? So that's what they did. They stayed up there. You know? And life on the spaceship was a comfort zone to humans. They become so passive and self-centered. They didn't know how to interact with each other. They didn't know how to hold hands. They um, you know, didn't know what nature was all about. They didn't know the meaning of the sea or you know, even to hold hands. They never experienced that because all that they were surrounded by was just machine and robots. And that was um, life. That was life for them. Until one day, a challenge came to them through what Wally and another beautiful robot that he fell in love with called Eve, you know, and uh, what they had uh, found was a plant, you know, on Earth, and that was the sign of life, the sign of life that was left on Earth. So anyway, after the captain found out, he couldn't believe that, oh, that's still a, a, a sign of life left on Earth. There's no way it's impossible, you know, and that uh, he had to come to the point of realization and this is what he said. He said, I don't want to survive. I want to live. I thought, yeah, that's how we're supposed to be too as Christians. We don't want to live a Christian life that's just surviving day by day and just waiting for Jesus to, okay, take me, Lord. I'm waiting for you to come and take me, um, you know. That's not the kind of attitude, you know. We're here to experience real abundant life that Jesus has for us. Amen? Amen? So as a result of the captain realization, you know, they claimed, they reclaimed the earth back and uh, the earth was restored and they all lived happily ever after again. So I thought that was a really good movie. We want to go and see it again. So um, two choices that we have faced tonight. Number one, are we going to continue staying in our comfort zone until Jesus comes to take us home? I hope that's not the case for you and me. Number two, are we going to break the mold, change our way of thinking, and reclaim our inheritance, which is ours by right? Amen? Our inheritance, which is ours by right. See, for us to see our city becoming God's city, for us to see our nation transformed, we have got to change our way of thinking. And this is why we have been hearing so much about paradigm shift. A few years ago, when Pastor Brian has been given the vision from God, you know, when God told him, the church is going to be the church to the nations, imagine, you know, if God was going to give that to me, I, I don't know, I'm not so sure how I was going to respond, because this is such a huge thing. But I praise God for the way Pastor Brian reacted. You know, he didn't say, God, is too big. It's too much for the small church like PCC to take to become the church to the nations. Ah, no, he didn't react like that. He was obedient to the vision that God has given to him. Even though during that time, it was like, you know, how are we going to do it? You know, it's not about our ability. It's not about what we know. It's not about how intelligent we are. Everything is all about how much are we willing to be obedient to God, how much we are willing to, to, um, to be faithful to what God speaks to us, to what God has given us. Are you willing to be obedient in the midst of fear, in the midst of confusion? In the midst of, you know, a lot of things seem to be kind of impossible for me, but I'm going to obey you, Lord. And I praise God for what Pastor Brian did. And that has become example for all of us, I hope, to be willing to follow what God has given to us, even though it seems difficult or it seems impossible. But we believe in a God who can change the impossibility into possibility. Amen? Is that your God? Amen. Praise Jesus. We've got to learn to think big. We've got to learn to think out of the box and ask God to reveal to us 
what his immeasurable power can accomplish in us and through us. How many of you believe that God has made us to be more than just a Sunday Christian? Praise God. I'm not alone. <laughs> God has made us to be more than just a are you quick? <laughs> That's just to kind of poke you. You have to raise your hand now. Agree with me or not? <laughs> okay. God has made us to become more than just a Sunday Christian. See, being a Christian is not all about uh, dressing up, getting ready to come to church Sunday morning or Sunday night, listening to the worship and listening to um, different pastors speaking on different Sundays and then go home and enjoy ourselves. You know, it's not all about that. It's not like that. If the God that we claim to believe is the God who is a living God, a living God, then change or transformation certainly is not limited within Sunday services. We believe if we believe that the God, this God, is into nation transformation, then surely Sunday service is not the answer. Okay, I'm not against Sunday. I love Sunday. I love coming to church on Sunday, especially uh, when we have celebration. You know, it's so great to be able to see um, different people uh, from the Burmese, Pastor Saul and his fellows from you guys, international and from the Morgan, they haven't really been coming because of different things that have happened to them. So please keep them in prayer. And the Thai people and the people from Kuraburi, you know, I love coming to church on Sunday. Do you love Sunday too? Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So um, don't get me wrong, you know, I'm not against Sunday. But what I'm saying here, you know, I'm saying that we've got to let God to be God on every other day as well, you know, to be God on other days, to be God outside these two hours that we stay in church as well. Understand? We've got to let God be God on other days and outside these four walls. God isn't just a Sunday God who only works in a tiny box. In some religion, you know, you know about other religions, Sometimes they have to do a lot of things because they believe that their God is asleep. So they have to do all kinds of things to wake up their God. I thought, that's a bit funny. If God is powerful, you don't have to do that. You know, praise Jesus that our God is a God who is always awake at all times, 24 hours, 24-7. He's always awake. He's always with us. He's always ready who work in us and through us. And that's why we have seen different cell groups. And um, I believe it was Glenn's cell group. Yeah, it was Glenn because my husband is in it. So it's your, your cell group, yes. Um, to, to be able to see that cell group can actually be involved in the community outside Sunday, outside um, cell group time, you know, Wednesday. I mean, that, that is telling us that, hey, we are supposed to make the difference on other times as well. Because that's what God is like. Transformation can happen outside this box. Amen? Change can happen outside Sunday services. See, when our labor becomes worship, the presence of Jesus then goes with us to our marketplace. Leads to opening the door for God to establish his kingdom, either in your office, either in the canteen, in the classroom, in the center, key center, <laughs> in the hotel, in wherever, you know. God wants you to take him into even the gates of hell, places where the enemy is entrenched so that his rule will be established, so that his kingdom will be established, and the devils then dismantled. S. Silvoso actually wrote this in his book, and I thought it fits really well with what I'm saying. He said, as exciting as worship is in the marketplace, hang on, as exciting as worship in the marketplace is, its impact is not designed to be merely inward. 
Do you agree with that? Amen. It's intended to have powerful collateral effect on the devil and his wicked empire. We read that. Yeah, that's so true. That's what we're supposed to be doing. See, we're not here to build our own kingdom. Our purpose isn't for us to come and enjoy, you know, feeling the presence of God coming through us and outside us and raising hands together. And, you know, it's not just all about that. If we think that being Christian is just all about that, then we are kidding ourselves. What do you see when you look around you? May I ask this question? What do you see when you look around you? Beautiful preacher, thank you. <laughs> no more than that, I mean. What do you see when you look around you? As I look around Phuket, you know, I still can see that the enemy still holds on to a lot of what Jesus had purchased with his precious blood. A lot of people come to Phuket for, you know, a touring purpose. But there are so many people coming here for um, different purposes, like sex trade or, you know, prostitution and um, all sorts of other things. Corruption, that is another thing. When I talk to the leaders in my cell group and they have to come, um, they have to um, have contact with people from government and they've just been so kind of sick of the corruption that has been going on. What do you see when you look around you? When I was in Chiang Mai, I was amazed at the number of the temples that were in, uh, in Chiang Mai city. Everywhere that we walked to, we always, I don't know how we did it, everywhere we walked to, we always ended up nearby a temple wall. I thought, this is another temple. I can't believe it. On one street, there must be about three or four temples. And I was like, God, this city really needs your transformation. It's not, they're not like, you know, all and unactive um, um, temples. They're really big, huge temples. And a lot of young monks, like um, young teenagers, you know, who had become monks, uh, are there walking around all over the place. And I thought, God, there's something greater for them to be doing. And, um, you know, I really pray for uh, the city of Chiang Mai, God, Send them transformation. Help them to see that you can do amazing things among them. Let them see transformation. Let us see in Phuket first, and then they can see after us. <laughs> By us. <laughs> what do you see when you look around you? In your workplace? In your estate? In your street? In your town? See, when Jesus looked around him, Matthew 9, 36-38, when Jesus saw the crowns, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So when Jesus looked around, his heart really went out towards the people. The Bible says that the people were harassed and helpless. And that's what the devil does to the people who are still locked up in the gates of hell and don't even know how to get out of it. As we have heard from um, the te teaching from Pastor Brian that here Jesus doesn't tell us to pray for more workers. He doesn't tell us to pray for more workers. But he actually help us to ask God, the owner of the field, to send the workers that are already there to go into the field and do the job. Who are the workers? We are his workers. We are God's workers. Our marketplace is our harvest field. A lot of times when we see things around us, we can get really kind of downcast sometimes because we can think, God, I really want to do something about this, but I don't know where to start. I feel so inadequate. 
But the challenge that I want to bring to us all tonight is you can do something about it because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Anybody can say amen to that? Amen. The one who is in you, God who is in you, is greater than the one who is in the world. So my challenge tonight, the aim, the goal of my, um, my message tonight is to hopefully um, ask the Holy Spirit to convict you, convince you to believe that we together can actually take the kingdom of God to where the gates of hell are. So Jesus can build his church. We can do it. Be convicted by the power of God. You can do it. Jesus even said in John 14, 12, greater thing will you do. And whenever I read it, I just feel, God, you prophesied this. Jesus prophesied this to all of us. A greater thing will you do. See, God, Jesus doesn't get intimidated if we do greater thing than what he did. Because it is his desire for us to be of a greater influence into the world. Jesus also said that you are the light, the salt and the light. You are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. See, Jesus doesn't say that you shall become the salt and you shall become the light. Why is that? Because that's what you already are. You already are the sound. You already are the light. All we have to do is to acknowledge that and accept that identity that God has already put within us. And Jesus said that he wasn't even crucified or raised from the dead yet. And now, the Bible said that we have that power, the power of the, the resurrection is living within us. How much more then? Uh, we, uh, can we become for God? How much more flavor can we make for the community as a salt to the earth, to the world? How much more can we shine for him as a light to the world? Because the living God, the risen Lord, is living within you and me. All we need to do is to go where the kingdom of darkness is still entrenched and prepare the way for Jesus to enter. See, we are called to take the kingdom of God to where the gates of hell are for Jesus to build his church for a dime for. But for this to happen, I'd like to look at three different things. We probably have time to look just the first thing tonight. That is, we need to understand what Jesus did at Calvary. Number two, we need to understand the relationship between the kingdom of God and the church. Okay? We, along the way, heard a few things on number two or number three already, but um, some more things to be said next week, part two. Number three, we need to accept the authority over the gates of hell, which has been given to us by Jesus. Really great three points, aren't they? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Number one, we've got to understand what Jesus had accomplished for us and the world at Calvary. See, without a foundation of a real understanding of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we cannot step any further. That's why we've been singing so many songs tonight about the power of the cross. I love that song, See, See His Love. You know, it's just so victorious feeling, you know. God, yeah, that's just a good reminder of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, that we are the winner, we are victorious. The bottom line of embracing this nation transformation teaching, I believe, is to first understand that Jesus, you know, what Jesus did for you and for me and for the whole world. Without Jesus sacrificing himself, we have no hope of redemption. Without Jesus enduring the guilt and the shame and the separation from his Father, we would still be under the enemy's bond slave. 
couple of verses from Colossians chapter 2, 13 to 15. Some of you know, kind of, can you see? When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code. One second, she said, I will listen to her because she's the church secretary. So one second, I will read it out to you now. <laughs> when you were dead in your sins and in uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having cancelled the written code with its regulations, that was against us, and that stood opposed to us. He took it away. Jesus took it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. What a great few verses in the Bible that we need to take to heart tonight. You feeling tonight, you know, as you first came in, you feel so downcast, you feel like you're a loser, you feel like I'm no good. Come on, get these two verses into you and believe it. Okay? Jesus has done so much for you and me, for the whole world. Why are we still staying downcast? See, for us to understand these verses, there are some legal terms that we need to um, kind of um, understand. The word written code refers to a document or kind of a contract, you know, signed by a person saying that if he's in debt to the, the loaner and if he cannot pay or repay uh, the debt, he will accordingly have to become the loaner's slave. That's what happened in those days. Okay? So you sign this paper saying you are in debt and you can't pay, then you in turn become the slave to the loaner. And there's a lot of truth in this, you know, um, as it was used to compare what Jesus has done for us. See, when sin entered the world, fellowship between God and his creatures was broken. And the devil quickly gained a free hand to completely defile life on earth. Adam and Eve surrendered their power of attorney to the devil through their sin. And as a result, every man is born in debt to sin and enslaved to the devil. And no matter how hard we try, we still cannot repay these debts. Nor free ourselves from this bonding. Nothing that we do is able to put a stamp saying, cancel on this debt that we owe. But in the midst of despair, hopelessness, and defeat for humans, God came up with another legally binding plan to recover the legal title carried out by Jesus in verse 14. When it says, Jesus, having cancelled the written court with its regulation that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing to the cross. The word cancel here. Where is it? Okay, let's look at the next slide. The word canceled in Greek, it means to blot out, to wipe away. To blot out, to wipe away. Just picture this, okay? Just picture. Jesus stood before Satan's face and grabbed hold of the list of names, you know, of the people, your name, my name, who owe the debt to the enemy to Satan, who have been enslaved to Satan. Jesus took that list and blotted out all the names and any legal regulations related and said to the devil, it is finished. It is finished. And at that very moment when Satan thought nothing could overthrow him, he stood there, you know, couldn't believe. He stood there, God smack. You can't do this. It's against your rule. Everybody who sings must, must go, must come to hell with me, be there forever and ever. You can't go against your rule. But the father said back, I've come up with a new rule. This rule is called grace. 
which is hidden in my son, Jesus. Praise God for the amazing grace tonight. Amen. Praise God for the amazing grace that has enabled us to be in the relationship with God the Father again. You are so loved by God. You are so loved that he gave his only son to die on the cross for you. That's what Jesus had to go through for us. What an amazing thing to know that Jesus purchased us with such a high price, his very own flesh and blood, to bring us back to the Father. The Bible even says in the same verses here that Jesus took the written code with its regulation that was against us and stood opposed us. Jesus took it away, nailed it to the cross, and whatever, you know, that the devil tries to come against us with tonight. On the last week, you feel like you've been battled really badly. Jesus has already won the victory for you and for me. Jesus has already set us free from the bandage of sin, from the bandage of the devil. And now we don't have to be under their, uh, his authority anymore because now we belong to God. Now we belong to Jesus. Jesus disarmed, the Bible said, Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities. He made, I love this phrase, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is an amazing picture, you know. Jesus didn't try to win the victory in a dark corner of the world, in secret. I'm dying on the cross in secret. In secret. No, he actually made a public spectacle of them, basically, you know, uh, it was made clear. It was made done in public. The Greek word here um, means to exhibit. Get a picture? To exhibit. God, God doesn't try to show off, but he basically tried to um, help us get the picture that we can be totally confident that God is the winner. He is the winner and not Satan on that cross. We've been brought back to God, the Father, so victoriously. But it's not just you and me that have been redeemed, as we have heard. You know, the moment when Jesus proclaimed, it is finished. That's when we, along with everything else on this earth, have been redeemed. Because Jesus' life was given as a ransom. And as a result... We as a church have the right to repossess everything that Jesus paid for. Amen? We as a church have the right to repossess everything that Jesus paid for. And that is why we can say with a full assurance that the church has been sent to reclaim what Jesus has already been redeemed. This is why we can believe that it is possible for us to move forward to where the kingdom of darkness is entrenched and evict the unlawful tenant. That's for you and for me to do. To evict, evict the unlawful tenant. There's a story, real story, that um, I've been told by Silvoso in the book Transformation. Some of you may have read this. About a famous guy that we have been um, hearing about for so many times already, and uh, I heard that he's coming here, um, King Flores. Filipino people here? Yes. <laughs> you can't wait. I can't wait too. He's coming here this year or next year? Next year. So um, hopefully we will be able to, um, you know, ask him face to face. What's all this about? You know, different things that we hear about him. Anyway, this story um, about Pastor King also a pastor, but also he's the CEO of an international financial transfer service in Manila. He was working as a con consultant to someone who owned about um, eight businesses. One of them was a motel chain consisting of eight buildings with 1,600 rooms and employed about 2,000 workers. However, each room was used 
as an average of five times a day by around 3,000 prostitutes. With the help of the management, they served around 15,000 clients a day. Anyway, King brought this um, guy, his boss, to one of eight seminars, must be all about to do with uh, anointed for business sort of thing, where his boss realized that Jesus died for his employees, not just for him, but for his employees, and died for his business, and that he was a minister, and his employees were his disciples. And after that seminar, he was so convicted, you know, he went back into his boardroom and proclaimed, the kingdom of God has come into my business, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That was the first thing he said when he went back to his office. Then what's next? Well, he went on to hire 30 pastors to look after his 2,000 employees under King's leadership. But this 30 pastor was given a very specific assignment. And that was not to preach. You know, sometimes we kind of, um, if you're a pastor, first thing you do, you preach. But not for these 30 pastors. They've been told not to preach. So what were they supposed to do? Well, I've heard about this before. See, what were they supposed to do was prayer evangelism. What do we do? Fourth thing, you bless. Right? You speak peace over your marketplace, speak peace over the city, you speak peace, you bless. And then, fellowship, build up friendship, and then meet felt needs, okay? By hey, offering prayer. You're in trouble, you have something concern you, I will pray for you. And then, preaching, coming towards the end, leading people to Jesus. You know, we've already been taught that. Right? We've been talking about this for a lot of times already, and that, that's what's going to change the city. If we're going to see this city become God's city, I hope this is what we are doing. Are you continuing to pray for your street, for your town? you blessing your town? you blessing your neighbor? you blessing um, your marketplace? Amen? L10T, Luke 10, transformation, whatever, you know. Just remember, bless, fellowship, meet felt needs, and minister or preach. Okay? Anyway, the 30 pastors connected with the 2,000 employees, becoming part of many task forces that are necessary for the daily running of the motel chain. So this allowed them to speak peace over the lost. So doors were opened up for the fellowship and uh, turned into deep friendship. Employees began sharing the problems with the pastors who immediately offered to pray for them. And after two years and three months, the majority of 2,000 employees had received the Lord. How amazing is that? The owner also upgraded the motels so that um, there would be less access to the street prostitution. He built prayer chapels in each motel and recruited um, intercessors to pray on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays for everyone who has spent the night there. I think that's just great. The spiritual climate then changed so much so that more and more employees came to Jesus and began to realize that I'm not just a born again Christian, I'm also a minister. They came to realize that they are God's minister. And they, begin, they began to pray for the presence of God that will come and greet each guest that come into the hotel. Just imagine being greeted by the presence of God as you're trying to book the room in the hotel. How great is that? And just imagine for those couples who are kind of illegitimate, you know, try to come into the hotel for not so good purpose. There must be quite effect because of the prayer been going on for them. They must all of a sudden, you know, think, I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to forget about that idea. You know what I mean? The power of prayer that can change things. 
every guest also would be informed that prayer was available upon the request. You're not just getting free breakfast. You're not just getting the service of using the fitness. You're not just getting the voucher for the complimentary drink. But we offer to pray for you free. See, everything worked out so well for them that after 18 months, more than 10,000 clients had also received Jesus into their heart. Hallelujah. All this happened just because someone believed that Jesus didn't just die for him, but also died for his business, died for his employees, died for his workplace as well. All this happened because someone decided to take the kingdom of God to where the gates of hell are. And as a result, what was known as a den of iniquity had become a hallmark of God's glory. See, as Christians, we need to know that we are entitled to reclaim everything that was lost into the enemy's hand. Matthew 18, 19. Jesus tells us this. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hate, Hades, whatever, gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be lost in heaven. Tonight, don't be deceived by thinking we cannot do anything about this place. We can, because the keys have been given to us. We've got the keys to go in. You know, I chose this, the background, you see. We can actually bring the light into the kingdom of darkness. You believe that? Amen. Don't be deceived anymore, because we've got the key. Jesus has already won the verdict for us. Now we are to take back what is ours by right. By right. Is what Jesus has done for us. Amen? Next part, we are going to um, look at number point number two and three. Um, we're going to look at the relationship between the kingdom of God and the church and the authority over the gates of hell uh, that have been given to us by Jesus. Amazing thing. I'm preparing it now and I just can't wait to wow, deliver it. So let's just pray together, shall we? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I thank you again, Lord, for the good reminder that you have brought to us tonight, Lord. God, as we look around, we see that there are still a lot of things that are still under the devil's hands, even though those things have already actually been redeemed, been purchased by your blood, Lord Jesus. But the devil is receiving a lot of benefit from that, Lord. And, and God, we, we don't want it to, to be like that anymore, Lord. We want to, to, to take it back, to reclaim it, Lord God, to you, Lord. Father, I just ask you that you will come and convict us, convince us to believe that, yes, we've got this key, Lord God, to the gates of hell. It may seem so fearful at times and seem so impossible at times, but Lord, the Bible is full of stories that tell us of so many people who were willing to be obedient to you. And they actually brought so, you know, brought the transformation upon the land, their land, Lord, in the same way, Lord God. Sometimes we are fearful. Sometimes I am fearful too, Lord. But I thank you that in the midst of my fear, I chose to obey you, Lord. And I ask that you would do the same to everyone here. That, Lord, even though they may be faced with the fear or confusion or whatever feelings so God that come against them, I pray, Father, that you will put boldness into their hearts to believe, oh God, that they can actually do what you have already prophesied, to do even greater things than what you did, Lord. Jesus, come and minister to us right now, Lord. Hallelujah.
praise you, Lord Jesus. I'd just like to give this time to Pastor Brian. Transformation is not an easy thing. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. My city is going to be God's city. I believe totally that God has not brought us here to fail. God doesn't do that. But we have to recognize that we do have an enemy. And that as we go to the gates of hell, the devil doesn't want to give up his territory without a fight. It seems as though every time we take a step in the right direction for God, we meet problems. And in our own lives, it's important for us to understand that as God seeks to transform us first, because unless we transform, the community that we live in won't transform. And as we seek transformation in our own hearts, we ask God to change us, to mold us, to make us into the people that he wants us to be. We need to recognize that the devil has schemes. The devil wants to divide us. He wants us to feel that we're not good enough. He wants us to feel that we're not the right person for the job. And I see this more and more in PCC and in the people here. And I just feel I just need to say, don't believe the devil. Don't believe the devil. Don't give in to his schemes. Transformation is difficult, but it's not impossible because in Jesus, all things are Hallelujah. It takes faith. As Nock was preaching, I was drawn to Hebrews 10. just want to read you a few verses. It says, Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. We need to maintain our focus on the prize. We don't have it yet. The reward is not in this world. The reward is in the world to come. And right now, things could be difficult in many different ways. There could be a lot of pressure on you. What you're called to do for God may be something that you find hard to do. But we should not, to continue reading, do not throw away your confidence it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. Hallelujah. This is the promise of God. And I believe that transformation stands and falls in us. If, if we don't, are not able to, to, to cope with what, what is being brought to us, even as I, I spoke last week about if we receive new wine, then we have to put new wine into new wine skins. And we have to change. We have to adapt so that we can cope with that new wine. And so God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us not to be robbed of our confidence in you. That confidence that tells us that through faith all things are possible. 
that faith that says we can do it. We can change that string of hotels so that tens of thousands of people come to Christ through that. Even this next couple of, uh, couple of weeks, there are going to be seminars in those hotels that Knox referred to. She didn't know this, but there's going to be seminars in those hotels these next, in the next couple of weeks uh, with Ed Silvoso teaching in those hotels in the Philippines. God is doing incredible things around the world. And I know in my heart that Phuket's going to be part of that. We've heard a lot about King Flores and all the different things he's done. He's so convinced that things are going to happen in Phuket that he's coming here next year. And he's coming to teach and he's coming to help us to um, see some things maybe that we've not seen yet. Praise God. I'm always ready to be taught by anybody who can take me closer to Jesus. Hallelujah. So, Father God, in closing tonight, we ask you, Lord Jesus, to help us to hold on to who we are in you because of what you have done on the cross. Give us a confidence to know that we can change things. That even though it seems as though we've tried over and over and over and over again, that has not taken away from the truth of your promise to us. Even as I was reading the word of God this morning, God confirmed to Abraham that he was going to have a son when he was, he was 99 years of old at the time and he fell back on the floor and started to laugh. Ninety-nine years old. How can a ninety-nine-year-old guy have a little boy? But he wasn't laughing out of disbelief. He was laughing out of joy. Because he believed that all things are possible. And when he was a hundred, he had a son. All things are possible. We may have to wait for that which we desire in God to be accomplished. We may have to wait a long time. Some things come fast. Some things seem like an endurance test. But the promise of God is true. It will happen. And we need to focus on the promise rather than the circumstances where we find ourselves. Because the devil would come with his schemes and try and rob us of our confidence in what God has called us to do. So in the name of Jesus, we say, Satan, shut up. Just shut up. Just go and do something somewhere else. But in the name of Jesus, you have no right to rob me of my confidence and I make my stand against you and I claim the word of God that says that when I make my stand against you you must flee you must flee in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus I will no longer allow you to affect my attitudes I will no longer allow you to feed me uh, 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 wrong thoughts I will no longer, no longer allow you to rob me of my confidence in who I am. I will no longer allow you to bring disunity. I will no longer allow you to use me against the purposes of God. But I take my stand and I hold on to the promise. In Jesus' name, I hold on to the promise. In Jesus' name.
What you have said you will accomplish. What you have said you will accomplish in me. In me. And I believe that your kingdom will come. I believe that your will will be done because I am committed to your kingdom. I am committed to, be, to fulfilling your will. I am confident in the victory that Jesus won on the cross. And I am confident that even though I go to the gates of hell, they will open before me. And I claim the land in the name of Jesus. Not for any glory for myself, but for the extension of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, God wants good things for each one of us. Amen. Be strengthened. Be fruitful. Bless one another. Hallelujah. And uh, any other thing that I can't think of right now, go and do that as well. Praise the Lord. God bless the coffee and the tea and the biscuits.